Amen. The book of Psalm chapter 107 is where we'll be tonight. What a joy. I appreciate all the good singing, the great uh, everything that's happened here tonight. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Didn't we have good time in church this morning? And I appreciate what the Lord did. And uh, we went to the spaghetti warehouse. Y'all ever been there? That place is so good it make your tongue beat your brains out trying to get to it. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to get to be here and uh, the great singing and getting to meet new friends. I appreciate some friends around the room I see from other churches in the area. And uh, I thank God that uh, he lets us make friends down here. And I believe we don't have long left. I believe that Jesus is fixing to come back real soon, don't you? And I believe we don't have long left. And while we're here, let's make the most of what we got. And I believe this. I believe there's not one person here that's here by accident. But I believe that God has a purpose and a plan behind you being there. And if you sit there waiting on something to happen or just being a spectator, you probably will leave empty. But for the person that has a heart to seek after God this week and to say, God, I'm coming, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch, I'm going to be, I'm going to intentively listen uh, from the Word of God and not just necessarily what I say, but what the Holy Spirit of God has to say to you. Many times I'll be at my product table in the back after church and People will walk up and they'll say, Brother C.T., when you said such and such, it, 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 it set me free on the inside. Only for me to walk away and say, I never said that. The Holy Spirit accompanies preaching. The Bible says that God chose the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. I still don't understand it, but I do know that as a young boy, my daddy taught me to stare the preacher in the eyes and listen intently, not for necessarily what the preacher's saying, but what the Spirit of God will say to your heart through the Word of God. And uh, I thank God for the opportunity this week. You'll hear Brother Capacin. He's one of my favorite preachers. And uh, I promise you, if you leave this meeting getting nothing, it will be your fault. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you seek God, and I promise you, God will change your life. Anybody happy tonight? Y'all got to talk to me. Sometimes y'all stare at me and it makes me uncomfortable. But uh, I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Psalm, chapter 107. Psalm 107. And uh, I want you to look at just a few verses here tonight. And uh, we'll uh, go find a piece of chicken after that. Say amen right there. Does the Cheesecake Factor have chicken? Sounds like a good place to go, don't it? Lord, in Jesus' name, Cheesecake Factory. Thank you, Lord, for it. Marriage Supper of the Lamb is going to be catered by the Cheesecake Factory. Uh, Psalm 107, if you're there, say amen. Verse number one, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. We could stop right there, couldn't we? For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord think so. Now, there's lots of thinkers. <laughs> but, but, but the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way and they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Verse number 6, things begin to pick up. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, 
and he delivered them out of their distresses. I wonder if there's anybody in the room tonight that God has delivered you from distresses before. He's a deliverer, is he not? Verse number 7, And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Verse number 8, I want, this, I want us to read this verse out loud in unison, get the word of God in the atmosphere tonight. Verse number 8, read it with me. All that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Uh, look at verse number 15. It says, All that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse number 21 repeats itself again. It says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse number 31, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for the incredible opportunity and privileged to be here at this church with these people. Lord, I thank you for the incredible singing, Father God, that has led up to this moment. I thank you, Lord, for every ounce of work that the staff has put into this meeting. I thank you for Brother Tony and his leadership here at this church. I thank you, God, for all of the work that's put behind this. Now, Lord, as we come to the hour where the Word of God will be sent forth, I pray, Lord, that you would accompany it. I pray you would anoint it. I pray, God, not only would you anoint me, But I pray, Father God, for an anointing to fall down upon the people that are seated in the seats in front of me. God, that the word of God would fall upon good ground. I pray, God, for liberty from another world. God, that you'd let me be me. Let me me do what you've called me to do. I pray, God, Lord, that you'd electrify this place with the gospel. I pray, God, that a spirit of revival would fall down upon this church and that the power of God would go forth and change every home that's in this community, every life that's in this community. Lord, I still believe that you have the power to change a state. I still believe you have the power to change a nation. Lord, if I did not believe that revival was possible, I would have stayed home. But Lord, I believe that you still have power. The devil may have some power, but you have all power. And I pray, God, tonight that you would do that eternal work that only you can do. Lord, I, I, I give myself to you and ask you to use me now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, my dad raised me and taught me as a boy that, that the Word of God is very important. That the power of God is wrapped up in the gospel and it's wrapped up in the Word of God. And, and, and the Bible even goes to the link that talks about the jot and the tittle. The, the minor things of the Word of God are even important. But, but it doesn't draw that one is more important or least important. But when God repeats Himself in Scripture... It is as if God is highlighting something that he wants to get our attention with. Do you believe that? And we find in Psalm 107 that we find where God repeats himself four times in one chapter. Four separate times we find where the word of God says this. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness And for his wonderful works to the children of men. Now, I have been to college. I have degrees on my wall. I've been to seminary. I've learned. But it doesn't take a diploma 
to figure out the simplicity of what God is trying to say in Psalm 107 and these four parts. All he's trying to get across, he says, and it's almost as if it's a groaning from God saying, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. I, I still believe that there's nothing in this world that makes God any happier than when God's people come to the house of God with one purpose and with one goal and with one plan and that is to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I know there are lots of subcategories of why we come to church. I believe that education is very important. I believe that discipleship is very important. But hear me well. I believe that the main goal and I believe that the crux of what you and I are to do when we come to the house of God is not coming to the house of God as a, as a social club or coming here, you girls wondering who's got the nicest outfit or us men wondering who's got the nicest tie on or, or noticing who's here and who's not here. But I believe it would do us good if we just got back to going to church on purpose to worship the King of Kings and to worship the Lord of Lords. I believe that God is worthy of every ounce of praise that we can muster up. I believe that God is worthy of every ounce of glory that we can possibly give to Him. Now, with that said, I know the modern day, uh, the modern day argument for this is they say, well, you know, that sounds good and all, but we don't want to get tied up in emotionalism or we don't want to get tied up in this or we don't want to get tied up in that. And, and there's so many other things. And, and somewhere that has allowed the church to crawl into a lethargic pattern where everybody feels like when they come to church they have to act like they're at a funeral home. Amen. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I've learned, Brother Tony? It's not a matter of if you worship. It's a matter of what you worship. Oh yeah, the same guy that's too smart for his own good that would look at me and say, well, Brother C.T., I just don't believe that we're to worship like that in God's house. You take that same joker, put him on the 50-yard line at a Buckeyes game, talk to me, put him on the 50-yard line, let... uh, I don't know much about Ohio State. I can't claim the name. I don't know much about it. Uh, but, but you put their favorite football team, they're down by six points. One minute left in the ball game. Their favorite quarterback winds up in the pocket, throws that piece of leather in the end zone. Homeboy catches the ball, runs to the end zone, spikes the ball, and the same guy that thinks you're supposed to sit in church like this will be on his feet. I mean, when they come to church on Sunday morning, they've lost their voice because all they've done is scream and yell at the ball game. But bring them to church and tell them, if you get saved, you won't ever have to go to hell. Amen. Come on. Really? I mean, God will provide your needs according to His riches in glory. God's good all the time. Everything God's ever given you, the breath that you breathe, the life that you live, the family that you have, the roof that's over your head, the family God's give you, God's been good to you. Hallelujah. 
come on. Some, somewhere the church has got to loosen up and realize that it's all right to praise Him. It's all right to give Him glory. You say, well, football ain't my thing. Well, you could be like my wife. I'm, she's a little more Presbyterian than I am. You know, I, I, I'll get tore up from the floor up in church enjoying myself, having a good time. But Becky's more like a... About as far as she goes, you know. But you let her go to the mall and see her favorite little store. TJ, we got TJ Maxx around here. Oh, Lord Jesus, y'all ain't never seen none. I mean, Becky sees a TJ Maxx. She's got a magnet in her just just drags her to the TJ Maxx. I mean, she just takes her over there. And she, if she sees a sale on that thing, baby, oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I mean, she starts having a big old time. I mean, she's getting stuff. She'll call me. You ain't going to believe what they got in here at the mall. I done bought five dresses for $5. I mean, she, she is, is, let's agree. It's not a matter of if you worship. It's a matter of what you worship and may I make a very simple declaration that there is nothing in this world that deserves your praise and deserves your glory any more than the fact that there's a Savior named Jesus Christ that left the portals of glory when he did not have to, came to this world, was spit upon, he was mocked upon, he was laughed upon, they nailed him to the cross, he died with your sins upon his back, they laid him in a borrowed tomb because he wasn't going to stay there very long at all, but on three days he laid in the tomb, but on the third day breath came back into his body he looked at the angel said time to roll the stone away boys the stone rolled away and up out of the grave came the king of kings and the lord of lords he walked on this earth he showed himself to 500 people an infallible resurrection and Jesus left this earth and said I got to go away for a little while but don't be worried if I go to prepare a place and I'm coming back to get you could I say uh, there's nothing in this world uh, that deserves your praise uh, and deserves your shout uh, and deserves your clap uh, like knowing I'm just going to preach tonight. I don't care. It's, there is nothing in this world uh, that deserves your praise any more than Jesus and what he's done for you. Can't nobody, well, me and you going to have a good time. Can't nobody do for me what Jesus did for me. Oh, yeah, nobody can do for me what Jesus did for me. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you praised him? I got in this real highfalutin church the other day. And, and you know, I heard some over there say, Amen. <laughs> the preacher didn't say God, he said God. I don't even know how to spell that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, and I, I thought, they not going to like me. And I sat there and I, I tried to hold it back. And, and they kept singing songs about the blood of Jesus and, and sins being washed away. And before I know, my, my toes started curling inside and I started getting happy on the inside. And, and before I know that the little wheel started cranking the big wheel. And I, I got plumb happy. I believe it's all right to get happy in church. I, I, I got plumb happy. And I stood up and said, Glory! 
And a man come up and got on me. Said, we don't act like that here. I said, well, you ain't got to worry about me coming back neither. <laughs> Listen, there is nothing in this world wrong with praising the Lord. Can I get a witness in the house? There is nothing wrong. And I, I, I know the Baptist church as a whole that started off with roots of being able to worship God. And, and we have got scared because another crowd took it too far. And we've slid into this lethargic place. But listen to me. There is a power that is released in the atmosphere when God's people come and forget about what's on the outside. They forget about what the doctor said. They forget about what works going on. And they come to church and begin to remember the things of God and remember the goodness of God and think about where you would be if God hadn't intervened and something on the inside begins to well up inside of you and you say Lord I thank you I'm not praising you to show off to my pastor I'm not praising you to show off to my brother nor my sister but out of thanksgiving from my heart I say glory to God thank you for saving me now style is individual I may be louder than you are. There's a lady in the church I grew up in. I'm, mind you, I'm, I, I'm, I was raised in the country. I grew up in a little old country church about this size. And we didn't have nothing. We was a little coal mining community in West Virginia. And there was this little, name, little lady named Miss Alma. She didn't have nothing that this world describes as being successful, wealthy, or prosperous. But Miss Alma taught me a lesson that it's not a matter of what you got, it's a matter of who you got. Miss Alma would come to church and it would be as dead and as dry as cracker juice in that service. That's pretty dry. Yeah, I mean it would be dry in that place. And Miss Alma, she was about 180 years old at the time I think. But Miss Alma come to that church and she'd sit on that pew. And my daddy, he's, my daddy, he's just like I am. He's, my dad would get up there and start bragging on the Lord. And Miss Alma, they, they'd start singing. The, they'd start singing an old song. And she'd pull herself up. And she had lost her voice years ago. But she'd, hey man. She'd raise her fist like that. And you had to watch Miss Alma. I couldn't even bring my girlfriends to church because I was afraid Miss Alma just embarrassed me in church. She, wouldn't, she didn't give a rip what nobody thought. Glasses that thick. She'd crawl up out of that pew and after she, the happier she got, the looser she got. And she'd start off with one of them treble hook canes. Y'all know what I'm talking about. She'd start walking and she'd, she'd get up there and she'd start. In, I'm talking about an independent fundamental Baptist church. Shout just, and, and, and she'd go around doing this number. But the more she walked, the looser she'd get. And the looser she got, the less she needed the cane. But that wasn't a good thing. Because when Miss Alma did not need the cane, then it became an article of worship. And Miss, and many times as a boy, I'd be sitting on the front row and Miss Alma would be coming across the front. She'd be weeping, crying, praising the Lord. And many times she'd get that cane and hold up in the air. And I was like, oh, Lord, 
She'd take that cane, and boy, she'd wave that thing like that. I remember many times I'd be sitting on the front row, and that cane come right by my face, and it, I was trying to dodge that. Just, just an old lady with nothing in this world, but she loved coming to church. It was her outlet. It was her place where she would get out of that house by herself, and she could come to the house of God for one reason, and that was to praise the Lord. Now, let me ask you this. Who does God like more, Mr. Or a little old lady that ain't got nothing in this world. But comes to the house of God and says, I may not have much, but I sure am thankful for Jesus. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. When's the last time that you praised Him? I believe this. The Bible talks about the last days. And it says that the last days, one of the signs of the last days, would be a spirit of unthankfulness. And I believe that unthankfulness builds a wall that binds future blessing. Meaning this, when you start thinking you deserve what you have, you'll stop getting what you're getting. My dad when I was growing up, I'll tell you this to explain. My dad worked in the coal mines when I was a kid. Uh, he had a pretty decent job. And every Saturday, he would spend just with me and my brother. We had a couple things we did as a routine. Uh, number one, we would go to Conley's Barbershop and get a flat top haircut every single Saturday. Uh, we, we would go in there and we would leave there and we would go to Bob Evans' breakfast and order a homestead breakfast with French toast on the side and some sausage gravy and biscuits <laughs> that will be in heaven. I'm talking about, oh, I mean, just, just, just incredible, just sausage, biscuit, and gravy. And uh, I'm getting tore up on it. Thank you. Is there Bob Evans up here too? Forget Cheesecake Friday. But, but uh, we, we would go there every single Saturday and do that. And, and after that, we didn't have Walmart. Then all we had was a little old Kmart down the road uh, from, from Bob Evans. We would go there and we didn't have a whole lot. But dad, every Saturday if we'd been good, he would buy us them little 99 cent matchbox cars. You remember them, Tony? You probably still got your collection. Uh, the, but the, them, little, them little 99 cent matchbox, you could wind them up and they'd shoot across the floor. For those of you that knows what it's like to live in a single wide trailer, I know. But I, I grew up in a single wide trailer and you had your kitchen, you had your living room, you had a little tiny hallway that kind of went back and you had a bedroom there, a bedroom there, and then the master, bed, master bedroom was in the back. That's where I grew up. We had what we called a linoleum floor. Linoleum, not linoleum, linoleum. And that, that was on that side, and it was just a real slick surface. And them cars would fly on that linoleum floor. Some, some of y'all got to know what I'm talking about. And, and we, me and my brother, every week we'd get those cars, we'd go home, we'd wind them back, and we'd race those cars on that linoleum floor. If you go to school tomorrow, say, what would you learn at church? Say, I learned what a linoleum floor is. And uh, we'd go do all that. And uh, one, one weekend, uh, we went on Saturday. We got the haircut. Got Bob Evans. Thank you, Jesus. But it, when, instead of my dad turning right to go to Kmart, he turns left to go back towards the house. My dad was not a real nonsense kind of guy. You didn't really, it didn't really matter how you felt about the issue, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I remember saying, Dad... Uh, 
I think you made a wrong turn. He said, what you mean, boy? I said, Daddy, Kmart is, is that way, and you're going back towards the house. He acted like he didn't know what I was talking about. And I still have issues with him to this day over this. But he, he would, he said, what do you mean, boy? I, I said, Daddy, I thought we was going to Kmart, and me and Brian got to get one of them cars. He said, oh, you mean like the one I bought you last week? I said, yeah. I said, that was the Dukes of Hazard car. I said, but I'm wanting that black one with the flames down the side. I said, Daddy, you got to turn around. We got to go get that car. Then my daddy put his preacher voice on. He said, there's one problem, son. He said, you never said thank you. For the car you got last week. I said, I'm thankful now. <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. He said, he said we're going to sit on this all week and we're going to learn a lesson. That when you quit getting thankful for what you got, you don't get no more. <laughs> Parenting 101 right there. That's for free. But I said, Daddy. I am thankful. He said, no, you're going to do good this week. You're going to do your chores, and you're going to learn a lesson that you need to be thankful for what you got. That week was, I mean, I was doing my chores, doing my brother's chores. I made my bed, made my brother's bed. I listened to my mama. I did my homework. I did everything I knew to do. And sure enough, Saturday, come back around, got my hair cut, flat top, went down there, got Biscuits and gravy. Amen. And dad turned towards Kmart. My heart began to skip a beat. I said, thank you, G. We got down there. He pulled into Kmart. Me and my brother knew right where that rack was. We ran in there to that rack. And there that car was. I want it black with flames down the side. I grabbed it. We got in the car. Me and Brian's in the back talking about it. And we got to the house. Dad walks in, sits on the front, sits there in his little chair. And me and my brother get on our knees and start to pull them cars out. And all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off. I ain't missing a car next week. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I done learnt my lesson right then and there. I dropped that car and I looked at my daddy. And I ran over to my dad's lap. I said, Daddy, you are the best daddy in the whole wide world. I said, thank you for being, I thank you for my car. I mean, I was overemphasizing. I said, Daddy, you are the best daddy in the whole wide world. Ain't nobody got a daddy like my daddy. Thank you, Daddy. You are such a good daddy. You ever been kissed by a man in church before? <laughs> we will find y'all if y'all tell anybody about that. But you know what? I got a car next Saturday. It's a funny story, but how many of y'all know what it's like to live in blessing and have God even when you ain't worthy? You've been, you ain't even been doing right. 
And yet God keeps paying your bills and God keeps blessing you. And God gives you a job you never thought you'd have before. And, and you look, boy, I'm sorry, feel it while I'm preaching it. But then you look at your house and you think, boy, I don't deserve to live in that. I, and you look at the car God lets you drive. And you think, boy, I remember a day when I couldn't. And then you start thinking about the goodness of the Lord. And you think, how in the world could I enjoy the blessings of God and get tied up in the blessing and begin to praise the blessings more than I praise the blesser? Honey, I'm going to you this, the blesser is the one that deserves the praise. The blesser is the one that deserves the glory. And how dare us never to get in the pit of praising the blessing instead of the blesser. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. There's one thing about this text. I have a nice pretty outline on this chapter, but Y'all preaching me to death and I, I'm not going to be able to get to it. But I'll give you one point and we'll go home. I want you to see the, there's several reasons inside this text of why we should praise the Lord. But I want you to just look at one. I believe it's in verse 2 or verse number 3 where it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now this is a great problem for Baptist people. Because this requires you to open up your mouth and say something. That's just not my style, Reverend. The Bible says, let the redeemed, shh, shh. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Watch this. Who? Who he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Meaning this, when you and I were born, we were born into sin. We belong, the Bible talks about our father, the devil. Did you know drinking don't send you to hell? Did you know doing drugs don't send you to hell? Living your life however, don't, no, you go to hell because you was born a sinner. You were born into this world without God as your father. But the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed, purchased from the hand of the enemy. Which means this, I used to belong to the devil. But at some point in time, my redeemer came to where I was. When I could not go to where he was, he came to me and bought me from the hand of the enemy. He saved me. He changed me. And the Bible says one of the greatest reasons, I, I believe there are many categories too of what reasons we can praise the Lord, but I believe at the very pinnacle of that list should be the fact that when I was unlovable, and when I was unfixable, and when my life was a wreck, and when my life was devastated, there was a God in heaven that loved me so much that he sent his only begotten son on a search and rescue mission to come where I was, undeserving as I was, unlovable as I was, but yet he came to me anyhow, picked me up out of the mud and mire, set my feet on a solid rock, put a new song in my mouth, and if there's any reason on the worst of days, that you should be able to praise the Lord. It's the fact that you could look at everything wrong in your life. And say well. This may be bad. But I can still praise the Lord. 
that I'm going to heaven when I die. Job, in the worst of his life, says this, I know my Redeemer liveth. Meaning this, this life is the short part. But thanks to Jesus, I have a whole lot more waiting for me on the other side. I'll tell you this and we'll go home. A man told me a story one time uh, just a few years back. I never knew this story to just probably three or four years ago. But he told me that he grew up in a home and he began to describe the home that he grew up in and talked about this home of how in the early years the dad worked at the post office, the mom was a stay-at-home mom, and the man telling me this story was one of the five children that grew up in this home. He said by the time he was probably 11 years old, his father became an alcoholic, and the alcoholism began to destroy his life, and he began to chase after that bottle so much that it ended up costing him his job, It ended up costing him his wife. It ended up costing him his home. And the young man telling me the story grew up in the home where the father ran off and left. And the father was living on the streets. Which forced his mother to go and work two or three jobs trying to support all five kids by herself. And this young man said he grew up with an anger towards his father. Uh, He grew up with a dislike for his father and an embarrassment for his father. He said he grew up in that home and many times he would say out loud, I will never be like my daddy. To make a long story short, it takes more than turning over a new leaf to stop the the symptoms of sin. But by the time the man that was telling me this story turned 19 years old, we find him handcuffed. And going to prison for doing and being what he said he would never become. Alcohol and drugs got a hold of him. They took him off to prison. He said that it was inside the prison cell in the hand of the enemy. It was in, the, it was in that prison cell for the very first time he heard a voice that he'd never heard before. The voice of the Holy Spirit and conviction. He said, came in that prison cell and said, there's got to be more to life than just this. There's got to be more more to life than just drinking and getting high and living your life wasted. There's got to be a way to really enjoy life with peace. This man told me, he said, I'd never been in church. I'd never been to a Sunday school class. I'd never heard a preacher preach. He said, my life was away from the things of God. He said, but in that prison cell, that voice started speaking to me. It was a miracle. Uh, He got probation. They sent him home and he said that on the ride home, his mother sitting in the driver's seat, tears running down her eyes as they're driving down the road back to the house. He said that same voice was in that car ride saying, you need to get things right with the Lord he didn't even know who the Lord was he knew nothing of denomination he knew nothing of who was right who was wrong he went to work the next day and there was a man that worked at the little gas station uh, there in there and uh, he invited him 
to come hear the preacher preach on that Sunday. This man said, I'll go. By his testimony, he said, I was a long-haired, dope-smoking hippie. He said, I sat on the back row. The choir sang. Said, and that preacher began to preach the gospel. He said, I don't remember word for word what the preacher said. All I know is that same voice that was in that jail cell. The same voice that was in that car ride is now sitting on that back row and will not leave me alone. Holy Ghost conviction had fell upon this man. I, he, he said, while that preacher was preaching, he said, that voice said, you better listen to that preacher. Hell is real, but if you'll trust me, you can go to heaven and I can fix this. I love you. I died for you. I said, what happened? Did you go forward? He said, CT, it scared me to death. He said, I've never been to church, more or less heard a preacher like that. He said, and I sat on that back row. He said, I got up, walked out the back door, got in my car and began to drive home. He said, I was trying to rationalize it all. Trying to push those voices out of my head. Trying to shake all this God stuff off of me. Trying to shake off. He said, I I turned my radio up. But no matter how loud I turned the radio, I could not drown out the voice of God. He said, I punched the gas pedal. But no matter how fast I went, I could not run faster than the voice of the Holy Ghost. He said, I got to my mama's house. He said, I got down there in that basement. He said, I I was trying to shake it off. He said, I I cracked open a beer. He said, I was going to try to uh, drink away my problems. He said, but I could not drink that beer. He said, and under conviction, he said, there in my mama's basement, he said, I fell to my knees and said, God, I've tried to quit drinking and I can't. God, I've tried to quit doing the drugs, but I can't. God, that little preacher man down the road said, if I gave you my life, you could fix me. And I quote to you word for word what he said. He said, I looked towards heaven and said, God, best I know how, I'm asking you to born me again. I said, what happened? By this time, he's crying. He said, he did it. I said, how'd you know? He said, because from the time I got in trouble and those voices, he said, my heart beating out of my chest. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I was miserable on the inside thinking about these things of God. He said, but the instant I asked God to forgive me, everything went to normal. The world can explain a lot of way, but it cannot explain away the change that Jesus Christ makes in a man's life. I said, what'd you do? He said, I, I got in my car, went down to my girlfriend's house and said, honey, I got born again. Said She looked at him and said, what's that? She said, you talk about religion? He said, you call it whatever you want. He said, it worked. He said, God changed my life. I know he did. Said she looked at him and said, well, you have all of that you want. I don't want nothing to do with it. They got in the car, went out on a date. A week goes by. It's Saturday all over again. He says, hey, honey, I'm going to go hear that preacher. 
again in the morning. You want to go with me? She looked around, realized she was in West Virginia, said, ain't nothing else to do, may as well go to church. <laughs> and they got in the car, said she, said she, am I allowed to take his jacket off? Is that all right? I'm getting hot in here. Said uh, they got in that car and got going down the road, said she walked and sat on the pew, arms crossed, kind of bless me if you can. Don't want none of this God stuff. I'm smarter than the Bible. I'm smarter than everything. I, I don't need this God stuff. This man told me, he said, something happened about halfway through that preacher's preaching. He said, I looked over and that girl that was so tough 20 minutes ago, now her arms are at her side and her head's. <laughs> Anybody ever ran a lap in this church? Because I'm about to. <laughs> Said she had her head just slumped low. He said it was almost like I could hear that same voice that was in that jail cell. It was in that car. He said I could hear that same voice talking to my girlfriend. Saying I love you. I can fix this. I died for you. I'll save you. He said that preacher finally got done preaching closed his Bible. Said that little old girl barreled out of the side of that pew. Walked down to the front of that pew. Looked at that preacher and said, would you please tell me how to get what he got last week? And she got born again too. Time went by. They, they uh, went to the preacher. They said, preacher, whatever you tell us to do, that's what we're going to do. He said, you need to get married. They got married. He said, you need to join the church. They joined the church. They, he said, you need to start tithing. They started tithing. Well, they said, whatever that Bible tells us to do, tell us, preacher, we want the fullness of everything God has for our life. It wasn't long. I think just a month and a half after they got married, she got pregnant. Fast forward 9 or 10, 11 months, something like that. The baby was born. It's a Wednesday night. And they fixing to go to Wednesday night church. The man is still in trouble with the probation officers from his incident a year and a half or two years ago. And there comes a knock on the door. It's Wednesday night. And they go to the door. And there the probation officer is. He starts looking around, trying to see if the house is clean. See if he could find anything, but the Lord had already been there to clean everything up. It was all gone. Said, he began to look around, there wasn't nothing to find, and said the probation officer started weeping in that little trailer. And said, sir, when I met you, said, I thought for sure you was just going to be another name in the system, another person in and out of here. He said, I've had hundreds look at me and tell me that they found religion but they're just trying to get out of trouble. He said, but I look at your life, and I look at what God's doing in this home, and I cannot deny the power of God is active in this home. Said they begin to look around and talk. Evidently the probation officer was a Christian man. I'm done wherever the music people are. Start playing at piano if you want, I'm done. They said... The probation officer walks over to the side and there's a little tiny crib 
that brand new little baby's laying there in that crib. Said the probation officer picks up that baby, begins to walk over that tears running down his eyes. Said he looked at the man and said, Sir, did you tell me that your father was an alcoholic? He said, Yes, sir, he was. He said, and your testimony is that you were an alcoholic. And he said, Yes, sir, I was bad. He said, All my grandfathers and he said, but when the Lord saved me, I haven't drunk a drop since, and God's changed my life. Said the probation officer, said, do you understand that the devil had a plan? For the same thing your grandfather was, and the same thing your daddy was, and the same thing you were, was to follow right through this baby's life. It's all he would have ever known. Kids usually repeat Somewhat of what their fathers are. He said, but do you understand that since God is in this place now? And since God is living in this home now? He said, the devil's plans for this baby. He said, are all messed up. There's no telling what God may do with this little baby. Said the probation officer, the man and the woman sat there and rejoiced and wept over the goodness of God, of how God took that family from the hand of the enemy, redeemed them, and changed their lives. Today that man's a pastor. His wife's a pastor's wife. You say, what does that have to do with this chapter and text? That man that used to be the alcoholic, that was my daddy. The woman that said, I don't want nothing to do with the God stuff, that was my mama. And the little baby over here laying in this little crib, that by all rights was to follow in the the line of our family tree, gets to stand in Columbus, Ohio tonight and say, oh, that men would praise the Lord and let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Right now, my daddy is behind the pulpit in Charleston, West Virginia. I'm preaching in Columbus, Ohio. My brother's pastoring a church in Athens, Georgia. My mama could preach better than most men if you let her. And you put my family together, my mom will sit back on that pew and the choir will start singing and she'll lift up her hands. She'll start weeping and worshiping. she'll watch me and Brian preach and she'll sit there and just weep she can't do nothing else and she'll say I just can't help but think where we would be if it hadn't have been for Jesus coming to where we were she said you I've never tasted alcohol I don't know what drugs is like I don't know what any of that lifestyle is like. I was raised in a godly home. All because in the middle of it all, God, through the power of His Spirit, came to where we were. And you think some knothead's going to tell me when and where I can worship God? 
no, 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 no. I, 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 I ain't worried about what nobody thinks. I don't give a rip how, who says what. Honey, if God, if the Bible said Jesus looked at him, he said, if these be silent, the rocks will cry out. Honey, there ain't no rock going to cry out on my behalf. God's brought me too far. He's done too much. He's been too good. I don't care if I, I don't care where I'm at. God's going to receive glory from my lips, praise from my heart, and he should from you too. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. A lot of times we come to the altar and we ask. We ask God to forgive us. We ask God for more money. We ask God for this. But I wonder when the last time was that as a father you got your family together and you came to an altar and said, Lord, we're not coming to ask you for anything. We just want to say thank you for what you've already done. And just like my dad taught me to crawl in your father's arms and say thank you. Might be a teenager. When's the last time you found your place and you didn't ask God for nothing? But you said, Lord, I just want to say you've been mighty good to me. 